Social gaming. More friends, more fun. Just click here, and here, and here again. Welcome to Game On Girl, the podcast where we talk about gender and game culture. I'm your host, Regina McMenemy. And I'm your co-host, Rhonda Oglesby. Today we'll be talking to Game On Girl writer Sharon Browning. Sharon is an experienced RPG and social gamer who recently wrote an engaging series of articles talking about the allure of social gaming and some of the precarious pitfalls that come from social gaming and social game companies. We discuss how social gaming does and doesn't impact the definition of a gamer and some of the not-so-honest strategies game companies use to keep people engaged in social gaming. We also want to remind our listeners about the International Tabletop Day on March 30th. And about our PAX East panel, which is quickly approaching on March 22nd. So thanks so much for listening and stay tuned for Game On Girl. Today we have the honor of speaking with Game On Girl writer Sharon Browning about her recent series of articles on social gaming. Sharon takes on some tough questions in her series, starting with defining social games and social gamers. This line of questioning was one I wanted to include originally in the dissertation when I started putting my notes together. I was considering all the sort of varied games that at the time for the study women were playing. And social games and looking at uh, Facebook games were a real interest for me. But when I had to sort of pare it down and get it to be dissertation-sized instead of um, large book-sized, as my ideas were in in the beginning, uh, Rhonda will talk about exactly how big my ideas tend to get. (laughs) (laughs) Witness! Give me a witness! (laughs) I had to pare it down, and so I focused on digital role-playing games for that reason. Um, I knew Sharon had played many of these social games, and so I asked her to take on this topic for us and start looking at at what it means to be a social gamer, how that sort of impacts game culture. And I'm so delighted with the series of articles that she came up with for the site. So many, many thanks, Sharon, for so eloquently taking on this topic. Yeah, welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much. I'm glad to be here. And some of you may remember that in their very early days, she was the first role player that we interviewed yeah. for the podcast. And so we're delighted to have you back on the show again. Oh, well, thank you. Well, a lot of the discussion really w- when you talk about social gaming and some of the questions that you bring up in your articles, like are social gamers really gamers and are social games really games? Number one, we're going back to the continuous discussion. I believe that the endless discussion of what is a gamer, Mm -hmm. Um, but now we're, we're adding the facet of what is a game. And so the whole discussion is kind of a terminology discussion. Yeah, really, we're sort of delving deeper into both of those topics. Well, deeper and deeper Mm -hmm. for what is a gamer. (laughs) So what is social gaming? I actually, to to start off with, I'd like to almost take it even further. I would not call it social gaming, what we're discussing right now. I call it social media gaming. To me, as a a role player, role-playing is in itself somewhat a social game. You go into an MMO or a game thinking that you're going to interact with other people. Right. And that's a social part of the game. Like World of Warcraft for me was very social. So I tend to think of that as a social game. And I'm not going to insist that you change your terminology, but I just wanted to show that to, to different people, even the term social gaming can mean something different. Sure. So it's very, very interesting how 
how we as gamers want to categorize things. We want to give things labels. We want to put people in little categories. And, and that's kind of understandable in this day and age. But it, it just puts an interesting slant on it. I think for what we're talking about today, we're specifically discussing those games, those application games that you find on uh, Facebook and other social media sites on the Internet, or you can play on your smartphone, your Android, your iPhone, anything that's not on a what we might think of as a major gaming console or as uh, a regular PC boxed game, a standalone game that you buy right. in best buy and bring home and plug in and download and go off so those things that you can pick up they're usually free or very cheap close to it yeah Mm -hmm. and they're very open-ended that you don't necessarily have a very long learning curve you just jump right in and start playing so when i think of social gaming as you're calling it or as i think of it social media gaming it's it's something connected with those kind of of platforms or those kind of, of uh, applications and that level of, for lack of a better term, non-sophistication. Right. In that it doesn't take a lot. You don't have to learn anything. You just start playing. Right. And one, one other thing about the social that seems to emerge from this kind of gaming, if we're going to call it, you know, social media gaming, which I can totally go with that terminology, is that it's capitalizing on your already established social circles. You know, when when it's a game that's integrated in Facebook, you're already established with X number of friends that you have on Facebook. So you already have a pool of people to automatically recruit from to play. So Mm -hmm. it sort of has a different feel than like when, at least when I first started playing World of Warcraft and I didn't know anybody else who played and I went in and I made new friends through the game. So it it sort of has a different feeling than that because it's sort of working on a a social circle you already have established. Right. And if you even want to take a step further in that direction, when you play games like World of Warcraft or Star Wars or or any of those MMOs, you join a guild or you go into a group where all of the people are specifically associated with the uh, with the particular bent of that guild, whether it's a role-playing guild or a raiding guild or, or whatever it is. But on Facebook, you bring in whatever friends you have, and it doesn't really matter what their objectives are. If they play the game, or even if they don't play the game, quite often they'll join the game just so you have another avatar in your army right. or whatever. Right. And a lot of of these games insist that you have 500 people in your army, for exist, for example. So you have to recruit people you don't even know. Right. You will never react, you respond to these people in any way except the game, or quite often I think a lot of people will actually uh, get friends and then not even have them available to see what they're talking about because they're only there to be an avatar to be used in the game. They're yeah, zero. I remember doing and, and that. A digital component, yeah. Yeah, I remember doing so. that in the early days <laughs> of um, Mafia Wars when I was, um, I would get friend requests from people who were specifically including notes that were like, I, ne- I want you to join my Mafia, I need help in Mafia Wars or things like that who would see that you played. And having to, one of the reasons why I learned the security settings on Facebook so well was because <laughs> I wanted to make sure I was managing who these people were who I didn't really know that I was, you know, socially interacting with. Absolutely. So I want to be, I want to uh, clarify then, because there are 
I've got a bunch of these games on my phone, but I never play with other people. Mm -hmm. I only play the single player mode. I don't want to play through Twitter or Facebook or anything else. So are those games social games then? Yes, in my opinion, because they're social media games. But... Um, that's that's but where you it, get the difference between social gaming and social media gaming. So, so even if I don't I, play with two, three, five hundred other people, then it's still a social media game because it's because of the medium or the hardware it's residing on. That's my understanding okay. of it. Yes. Yeah, okay. I like that's that. That's how, how I was writing the the articles I was writing okay. the, uh, for like um, Words with Friends. You yes. play that with one other person. And that one other person is usually somebody you know, somebody who you know is a wordsmith, somebody that likes those kind of puzzles. Or you can open it up to more people if you want. But right. I yeah. mean, that's certainly not a recruitment uh, type of game like so many of the others are. And there are other games yeah. on many different social medias that they are single player. Well, it sounds like the topic of what is a game is almost in this situation, maybe it's just unexplored, but maybe a little more complicated than what is a gamer. So wh- why don't we just go ahead and address the topic you brought out in your very first article. And you ask, are social media gamers gamers? That is, we usually talk about the word. Right. Uh, social media gamers versus social gamers or uh, major social gamers. gamers. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> like me. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm the anti-social gamer. Um, yeah, let, why don't we approach that question first? Are these particular people gamers? Is it simply for because of the fact that they play a social media game like I do? Or is it that they only play social media games? In my opinion, it's simply because you play them. It has nothing to do with other uh, games that you may or may not play. It doesn't have anything to do with your level of participation. It, it doesn't have to do with anything beyond the fact that you play these games. And so um, then are those people gamers? I believe so. But other people don't. And in fact, another interesting aspect of it, and I, I don't know how far you want to delve into this, but even within are there gamers, I think even those of us who, who say, yes, I'm a gamer because I do these social media gaming there's even within the higher lexicon of gamers themselves, almost like people that that play social games are almost like poor cousins. Yeah, they're, they're yeah. Well, you're almost embarrassed to admit, you know, them and even more embarrassed to admit you are one. Mm-hmm. And because they are like at the bottom rung of gamers by thought of by other gamers let me point something out very interesting i was just watching the uh podcast that rhonda you and uh, regina were doing with uh mandate mondays Mm -hmm. i believe was called yeah and when regina and i don't want to put this on put you on the spot here regina but regina uh, when you started talking about farmville and about how you had played farmville (laughs) you almost blushed Uh oh i didn't almost blush (laughs) there was no almost about it (laughs) you were embarrassed to admit that you had played farmville and when you introduced me as somebody who played lots of social games social media games to me i I wanted to scream out that's not all i do i'm a legit (laughs) gamer and i had to step back go now isn't this being kind of hypocritical when you say yes people that do social media are gamers but, but we want to regulate them to the kitty table I, i'm blushing right. now you can't <laughs> i mean 
but I'm flushing again. And it's not it's not actually because of the the Farmville. You know, I've I've said on many occasions that you know that I I dabble in these games. I still play them. I still you know one game that I can guarantee that I will play on a daily basis is Bejeweled Blitz. You know, and I I have played one form of Bejeweled or another for. I don't know, 10 years or so. And, you know, I, I try to keep my posts on Facebook about it to a minimum. <laughs> you know, I don't, you know, share the, the different things. But for me, Bejeweled Blitz is more fun than like just playing Bejeweled, which I also have on my computer, Bejeweled 2. I, I find Blitz more fun because I am competing against the people on my Facebook. And one of the people who I compete with the most, like every week who I'm competing for top score with, is my old boss from IBM, who's a vice president of communications. And it just cracks me up that here we are having a whole conversation about which are the best boosts and how to get the best scores <laughs> in this one game that we both love to play. So it's, it's, it's you know, I, I don't, I don't want to be embarrassed. And I, I, you know, I don't embarrass you either. I know that, we're, you know, we all have varied game experiences, at least all of us here today. Well, well there's, my point is there really should not be a need Right. To be embarrassed about that. I mean, a gamer to me, a gamer is a gamer. Right. And just because you're a hardcore gamer doesn't make you any more legitimate than someone like me who's a casual gamer mm-hmm. or someone like many of the people I've gotten to know that only play certain Facebook games. Right. You know, well, look how <laughs> look how quickly the, the community um, stigmatized the idea, though. Mm-hmm. 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 I mean, that didn't, take, that didn't take very long. And I mean, you, in honesty, I mean, you want to think the gaming community is different, but it's, it's wrought with human nature, just like everything else. Um, people are going to determine a hierarchy. People are going to want to be on top. They're going to want to leave certain people out to uh, promote an elitist type of attitude. I mean, is that all it is? I actually would take it even a step further. This this has been occurring. I've been thinking about this, and this is just me talking off the top of my head. But I believe, at least through what I've been looking at up to this point, that a majority of that tends to come from people who are mastery players. Mm. Yeah. Hmm. And it's not, it's not that that is because they're worse people, I, they, but... But mastery players are into a very competitive, I want to have the best. I want to have the best. I want to have the best equipment. I want to have the best scores. I want to master what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. So the whole impetus of playing, well, is to have fun, hopefully, but, but also to be, to strive to be the best player you can be and overcome the challenges that are set before you and all these wonderful things about gaming. But that mindset then does, like spreadsheets go, okay, what is the best equipment I can possibly get for this particular objective? Then what kind of categorization does everything in my gaming experience fall into? And um, I I think that's part of it. And because the, I think mastery players also tend to be the ones that in podcasts and such will be the most vocal because they have the most to talk about. Right, because that um, that drive to master the game is to to a degree almost overwhelming. It's like it's it's right. beyond they like you said many of the other the other gamer types or people who have larger percentage of the other gamer types will see their experience in a wider or more complex 
way, perhaps, than a mastery gamer might. And that doesn't mean that they don't feel less about how they're right. playing or, or anything like that. And it's, no, it's, not at all. Not at all. The co- I mean, the, the I, emotional I, commitment to the game and to, you know, the mastery and to the loot and to the gear, all of right. it is definitely very deep for, you know, more dedicated, hardcore mastery gamers. Let's just right. throw all the words into one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and this goes back to what i my mantra I've said for a really, really long time, there's, there's no one who is evil, right? There, there's no one who is pure evil. And so we're not uh, demonizing mastery players here at all. Especially since I consider myself a good chunk of mastery player. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Because I think that we need all of those personalities Mm -hmm. in game. Right. Um, I think it's, they're very vital, every single one of them, but they just happen to, they, they are able to quantify and qualify a game in a way that a self-player or a role-player might not do. And it's very vocal. And because mm-hmm. of that, they, I mean, <laughs> they are able to say, well, it's either black or white. It's yes or no. Right. You're in, you're out. And, mm-hmm. I mean, I deal with most of my life that way. I'm very OCD. I'm very a personality. And uh, it doesn't take much to challenge me um, to throw down the gauntlet and I'll go toe to toe with you. So uh, that it's just the whole personality thing. So, I mean, given that, how do we um, remove the stigma? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> go for the big question, Rhonda. Why don't you? <laughs> well, well, I think it's more a question of, oh, God. <laughs> you know, I don't know if we can, actually. Yeah, I mean, yeah. well. Other than recognize within ourselves, right? Maybe yeah. I recognize within myself that I am embarrassed to say I am a social media gamer. Mm-hmm. To admit that I spent would at times spend literally hours in a day mm-hmm. clicking on things in on Facebook, and I would come up with all sorts of reasons. You know, I don't have a lot of money. I can't buy the games that I'd rather be playing. Uh, social game, social media games I can go into and out of within minutes. I can pop into them multiple times in the day. They're more available to me, blah, blah, blah. I can make all these excuses, but what I'm trying to do is legitimize or or make it more reasonable on, on why I have let myself sink that low. You're rationalizing and, it. <laughs> right. And that is where I think the stigma has to change is that within ourselves, to, hey, it's gaming. Right. It's gaming. And and you don't have to necessarily say, well, I get just as much satisfaction out of playing um, Castle Age as I do playing Star Wars. I don't. Right. Really. But to be honest, I would much rather be playing Star Wars. But there is uh, parameters to playing Star Wars that I don't necessarily always have. Right. And when I when I cannot play Star Wars and I just feel like spending a little bit of time gaming, there's those social media games. Yeah, that was yeah, yeah that that was exactly my my reasoning when I started playing Farmville. I had a couple of friends who were playing it who were posting on a regular basis about it, and I'm like, you know, I'll check this out, and this is a good sort of quick. Let me get in and play this really quickly and get out thing, or at least I thought it was going to be. <laughs> of course, it never ends up that way. I mean, that's that's one of the things that is so almost devious about the way 
social media games are designed because like you said, Sharon, they're easy to jump into and easy to start playing. There's not a high learning curve. Things are very clear, you know, the instructions and how you do things. And to a degree, there's a fair amount of creativity, especially in the Ville games, you know, such as they were, where you're building a city or you're building a farm or you're building, you know, your castle, whatever it is you're building, you have a fair amount of, I'm going to put this here and I'm going to put this here and I'm going to design this this way. And then you start looking at other people's farms or cities and what are they doing? And all those different things give you that sense of, yes, I'm jumping in and I'm being creative and I'm doing this. And then the next thing you know, you're spending four or five hours a day on your farm and you're like, oh my God, why am I not playing other games? Which is why I ended up stopping. <laughs> yeah, but see, that's, that definitely says something about the game, mm-hmm. which is which is what we're going to segue into next. But mm-hmm. I, I think Sharon made a really, really good point that we are gamers because we want to game even when it's not as accessible to game. Mm-hmm. Why ignore them? ignore media that is available to gamers when they want to game, standing in line at the bank or waiting at the doctor's office. You know, I can't take my PS3 there. And <laughs> while, yeah, not yet. But <laughs> I, while recording a podcast, I'm sitting here playing Bejeweled. That, I mean, you know. <laughs> or on the bus, you know, when you're doing it, yeah. you're on the bus. Some yep. people have an hour, hour and a half on the bus. I mean, yeah. what are you supposed to do? Take a nap, read the paper, play your game. Right. Yeah. Yeah, See, that that is more of a definition of a gamer than the fact that the the medium segregates you. Right, right. Or or the community segregates you. Because that's, we can't just, you know, we can't just define this by how the games are played or where the games are played or what devices the games are played on. Part of what's creating the definitions part of what makes me blush when I say I played Farmville is the fact that there is, you know, a level of, oh, you're not really a gamer if you play XYZ games. And I, you know, and I don't think that's true. And I know none of us think that's true. But there is that sort of prevailing thought of you have to play certain types of games in certain ways to really be a quote unquote real gamer, which and I hate the word just in general, but (laughs) let me kind of turn this on the head, though. I have been involved in some games that require you to have, like I said, 500, 600, 700 people mm-hmm. in your army, your clan, right. your neighborhood, whatever it is. And I would say that there are quite a few of those people that play like Castle Age or play Castleville or Vampire Wars or whatever it is that wouldn't necessarily call themselves gamers. Yes, exactly. Because they just went to Facebook, that mm-hmm. they were on Facebook and they decided to do this on Facebook and it's an application. Right. But they would never think of themselves as gamers. Right. Oh, so I, yeah. I went through this yeah. situation at my hairdresser's when I was first starting the research and I was telling my hairdresser about it. And he went over and I don't know if I've told this story before. He went mm-hmm. over and grabbed another one of the hairdressers who was on her break at the time and brought her over to talk to me because she was a gamer. And I started talking to her about, you know, my research and what I was doing. And she's like, well, I'm, I'm, I'm not a gamer. And she's looking at him like he's crazy. And I'm like, well, he said that, you know, you play games on your phone. And she's like, well, I do play games on my phone, but that doesn't make me a gamer. I'm not a gamer. And she walked away. <laughs> and, and he told me, like, every time she has a break, every time she has a few minutes, she, you know, hops on and she's playing a game on, on her phone. And I was like... 
I said, well, and I said to him, I'm like, well, that's what I would call a gamer. And he's like, me too. And I'm like, well, it's interesting <laughs> that she doesn't think that about herself. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but in the, in the same way that, you know, I wouldn't want anyone to call me a social media gamer. Mm-hmm. Um, a person can self-declare. If, if she doesn't, she has a stigma about the term gamer mm-hmm. or she doesn't feel like she's a gamer or it doesn't matter to her, then that's fine. No, you're fine. You're not a gamer. That's yeah. okay. I, yeah, no, I, I was fine with that too. It, I, it just struck me as so as so funny, especially with where I was at the point at that point because I had just sort of made that decision to look at the digital role playing games instead of sort of broader gaming. And so I was like, well, you know, this this is part of what I'm looking at is people who, you know, everybody who is par- participant in the dissertation research, everybody who's come on the show are all people who self-identify as gamers they're not they're not labeled gamers they're not somebody else telling them they're gamers it's all about people who have claimed that title for their own and what it means to have done that if you're in a group of people who aren't automatically associated with gaming which she she would definitely be in that group well let's let's go ahead and transition back we talked at the very beginning about we were going to kind of define what a gamer is and also what a game is. And it's very interesting because um, this ties into an article that Regina found and it ties into the last article, last two articles in Sharon's series. And I'm sitting here playing Bejeweled and I've been playing the same Bejeweled game for quite a while. And I know Regina plays um, Bejeweled Blitz, but on the regular Bejeweled, there is a Butterflies game. Mm -hmm. And the last update I did, for some reason, it has a bug in it. Oh, and you can't lose. Oh. <laughs> wow. It goes on. It, it, I've been playing it, and I'm almost at five million. <laughs> I'm going to see if I can get it up to a billion. But I have to tell you, it's incredibly boring. Because mm-hmm. there's no challenge. There's no threat. There's no risk. Yeah. And mm-hmm. at the same time, there was a game I had on my phone um, quite a while ago called Space Miner. I loved that game. It was wonderful, but I tell you what, I finished it in no time. It was over, and I felt like I was ripped off. Mm. I mean, I was having a good time. I'm like, I want more levels. I want more gear. I mean, I could actually um, put mods on my spaceship, and I'd done all this modding and and really got into my role-playing character doing it, and the game was over. Mm. So... These social media games, I think that's where a lot of our gripe is. What type of issues do we have with the social media games? Are they games? <laughs> well, I think they're definitely games, but I don't know if they are successful games. Yeah. And, and maybe that's where the real question comes in. There are in games in that you play them for entertainment. Right. But in, in the article that Regina found, the uh, Game of Sutra article, talked about games having specific uh, things that made them games. And one of them was having goals, mm-hmm. having rules. What were they? Uh, beat challenges. Oh, Key components of it are goals, rules, challenges, and interaction. The thing I think with, because you can take, let's take, um, maybe we want to call it the arch nemesis of social gaming. The, the thing that most people play, but most people complain about. Um, let's take Farmville. Mm-hmm. It definitely has goals. It definitely has interaction. It definitely has a rule. And oh, my mind's a sieve. What was the fourth one? Uh, 
rules and challenges interact. Challenges. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it definitely has those. What it doesn't have, which is something else that this article brought up, is it doesn't have a conclusion. Right. It doesn't Mm -hmm. have an an end game. Right. It doesn't have something that you overcome in order to be the best. There's no way you you, you can have the highest score, you can get the highest level, but you can always get the next level and the next level. And the you next can level. have the best farm among your friends, but there's still something new and, and something, some new thing that comes out in the game that you can get some new, you know, uh, buildings or different pets or whatever else it is. There's always something new that comes right. out that you can get. Yeah. Right. And so it, it became a game about acquisition. Right. And that's what so many of these games are, is that you instead of overcoming something uh, which we can call noble, you know, mm-hmm. quests etc attaining certain whatever's you become the person that gets the most stuff right you have everything you can possibly get and right. and even if you get everything you can possibly get the next day there's going to be more stuff to get so it, it pulls you in by by this just massive need to obtain things and that's what catches you and keeps you there sounds and like brilliant marketing to me it is brilliant marketing <laughs> well if you if you look at my article about zynga this is what a lot of the zynga games are and they are massive or they were massive and and just amazingly mind-boggling how incredibly successful they were in such a short time yeah so obviously it, it speaks to a lot of people a heck of a lot of people 40 million people in less than a year. Right. And and so. I, I think it's interesting because par- part of what I was looking at in the in the research was looking at the, you know, the idealized self, how often you're creating a place online where you can have that sort of digital wish fulfillment, so to speak, where, you know, in one of my avatars, I had an ear piercing, you know, up on the ear cartilage, which is something that I've always coveted, but nothing that I would actually do. Um, so I had that piercing in the game. And and I wonder for the games that become so much about acquisition, it becomes kind of the manifestation of capitalism. You know, I can't go out and buy these things. I would never own a farm like this. I could never own a penthouse like I have in Cityville or whatever else. But look at all the great things I can get online and I can have that virtual world that gives that sense of fulfillment that might be missing. Or even more basic, even more basically, I don't have a lot. And I right. want a lot. Right. And I can get a lot. Right. Yeah. And I can recruit all my friends and I can get them to click on all these things for me. And I can find other people who are doing this and create, you know, I have several friends who created, se- you know, second uh, Facebook accounts to gift themselves things for the different games that they were playing and to help sort of support them. And some of them to play on those exclusively. So they kept sort of like their personal and their professional profiles, personal and professional, and then had... Yep, I did that. Yeah. That. <laughs> oh, that's mm-hmm. right. I forgot that you had done that. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that there was a second a second uh, profile you had for that. Um, and it was just, it was really funny. The first person who I knew had done it had was someone who, you know, was playing, very much playing Farmville when it was in its, you know, infancy and very new. And I remember for Valentine's Day, her husband gave her a bunch of cards with the Farmville cash on it and how <laughs> excited she was that she could go get just everything she wanted in the game. <laughs> uh-huh. And it was so fascinating for me. I should have at the time. I didn't. I should have asked her if she called herself a gamer. Maybe I will because she's still playing some of those games. But Well, you mentioned mentioned 
40 million gamers with with Zynga. You're talking that's if I remember the article correctly, that's specifically um, with Farmville, right? That was before they had a lot of games that were out. I think that actually was Yoville that were playing. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was very, very early. Um, the, the article I, I read all those things in was a little bit vague on it. But when I put down timeline, when games actually debuted, I believe this was Yoville. And that was one of the very first application games in Facebook. So okay. people just absolutely went to that and then Farmville grew out of that. Yeah. Yeah. I remember. Yeah. Well, and see there, I mean, I think from a marketing standpoint, but just like what you said, it was the first Facebook game out there. And so mm-hmm. it, it gained momentum and that, that type of thing. Cause I mean, kind of what I've been following up with is, is Zynga is, is kind of losing its base because these games mm-hmm. aren't holding them. And in fact, they're actually branching their marketing out and they're going to online gambling. Right. And they're already set up in the UK, I believe. Yeah. Starting online so what's, what, what, what's the main failure of these games of the, of the game design itself and of the game companies? <laughs> I don't know if you really want to ask me that. Um, <laughs> I, I think I made it fairly clear. I was trying to be uh, trying to be pretty even keel in my um, my Zynga article, but I think a lot of it comes down to a lot of these companies, and Zynga just I think is the biggest and the one that that is most well known. Right. Uh, or maybe it is the worst. I don't know, but uh, it's all based on get in quick, make as much money as you can, and then let it drop. And and that it's, yeah, I believe that's the business model. And uh, it, it's all about exploitation, not not necessarily in an illegal way. I'm not saying that, right. that they did anything illegal. Right. But just to go in, exploit the situation as much as you possibly can by any means you possibly can do it by. And when the numbers start to crumble, let it go. Right. Just abandon it. Let it drop. Yeah. Just abandon it. And, and that's pretty obvious that abandoning things are when the numbers start to go down is part of what they do. And and they're not the only ones, like I said. So I hope I don't get slapped with a lawsuit if anybody (laughs) listens to this, that that feels like it's getting in their craw. I don't I think we have, have the readers used to work at happen to you. <laughs> <laughs> I have a friend that used to work at Zynga and, mm. and she loved it there and she loved it there. It was a great place to work. Well, but- if the game, if the, if the gamer gets enjoyment out of it and they run their course with it, then what's wrong with the game company abandoning the game and then moving on to the next thing? And that's a very good question. That's a very good question, especially if it doesn't make a business sense to keep it going hold on to it uh, yeah the main question is how they go about that business there's no sort of easing people out of it it's like you get a note that uh, you know Uh, in one week we'll no longer be supporting this okay you know maybe at its at its apex let's say with uh vampire wars i can tell you this maybe at its apex it had 50,000 50 million viewers uh, 50 million participants Mm mm-hmm and and it went down to uh, that's probably really high. Maybe it went down to by the time it got down to thirty five million, it wasn't worth keeping anymore because people weren't buying that in game currency. There wasn't the, the revenue coming in. But there's still thirty five million people playing the game. 
Right. And mm-hmm. if all of a sudden they get a screenshot saying, you know, in one week or one month or whatever, uh, this game will no longer be supported. That's tough. That's really oh, yeah. tough. People have put in hours of time. Uh, some people, a pretty significant amount of money. I mean, yeah, let's be honest. Sure. Some people spend, because if you can buy a lot of money for $5, in-game money for five bucks, ah, eh, it's five bucks, you know? Right. And then you realize that you put five bucks in for five days and, and it's, you're going, okay, let's get a hold of this. Um, One of the other things that you mentioned as well is that the the games, it seems like there's an absolute endless number of these games. Mm -hmm. And what what percentage would you say are even playable? You know, I mean, there, I don't know how many I've actually purchased. I, I think I told Regina, I don't think any game I've actually purchased, I've enjoyed. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, we yeah. talked about that when we talked about our mobile favorites. You said that the free games were some of the best yeah. <laughs> that you had to play, and a lot, often the ones that you had paid for didn't pan out to be as much as you had hoped. Unless, yeah, it, and that's unless something I can't really say. Yeah, unless they were by a, a known gaming company first, or or, or fantasy. Yeah, or they were um, digital versions of board games or other yes. games that you already knew, other games that were already established. So. But the the games that were developed as app games that mm-hmm. I paid for have not been worth it. There are games, too, that many games that I played on Facebook that I would download them and play them for five minutes and go, no, not this one, and get rid of it. <laughs> Yeah. Many, yeah. many, many, many. Yeah, I that that was my experience. One of the big ones right now on Facebook is Marvel Avengers. It's mm-hmm. very popular, and I still haven't deactivated the app on my Facebook, so I still constantly get requests from people or gifts from people in that game. Um, but f- for the first thing that happened to me was I I had started it up with just a few minutes, and I was looking to see like what the next big social media game was, and that and I had seen a lot of people played. Marvel Avengers. And so I'm like, okay, I'm going to check this out. So I started playing it and I had to, I only had a few minutes to start on the game. And so I had to stop it like mid mission or something. And then it was broken <laughs> for like a yeah, week. There's, there's not a lot of support with these games too. Yeah, that, exactly. That was the underlying reason why I left a lot of the games that I had been in for a while is the feeling like and I touched on this in the article, mm-hmm. I just didn't matter. Yeah. I did not matter. Yeah. There was no, I mean, they'd say, oh, go to our forums if you have a problem or go to our forums for an update. And you go to the forums yeah. and there'd be nothing there, yeah. uh, nothing there. Yeah. And, and uh, that was that whole sense of, okay, just don't treat me like I'm a peon. Right. Hey, don't treat me like I'm a nobody. Right, but treat I realize like it matters that I'm playing your game. <laughs> right. I'm your client for crying out loud. There's mm-hmm. really so many of us that you don't even to, need to acknowledge you have a client base. Right. Well, okay, yeah. then I won't be your client anymore. That was exactly so. what happened with the Marvel was that I couldn't figure out because my whole screen was just locked up on on a cityscape. Like that's all I could see. And I had things that looked like they were clickable, but they wouldn't do anything when I clicked on them. I couldn't actually get through to the screens that would have let me send like some sort of help thing or even figure out where the forms were for the game or anything like that. So 
you know, that, that was the first thing that happened. And I was like, oh, great. And then so finally when it reset itself, like, I don't know if they patched it or what happened, but eventually I went back in there and it was active again. And then I realized it was another one of those games where it's like, oh, you can only get like so far unless you have a whole bunch of people playing with you or you want to shell out a bunch of cash for the extra bonuses that will get it so you can do the quest. And I was like, forget it. I just, I don't have the patience for this right now. So for me, the thing that, that really bothered me and I will admit that I come from a much different gaming background than social media gaming, and I maybe am a, a little bit elitist when it comes to what I expect from a gaming company. But when you label your game beta, mm-hmm. and you have it out there, <laughs> and you call it beta, and it's six months on it, and it's still in beta, but there is no criteria for getting in other than downloading it. There is no feedback that they ask you to give. There's no way to fix bugs or to report right. bugs that's set up for a beta. And then they still ask you for money. They right. still mm-hmm. say, if you want something, pay us this. And that's not beta, folks. No. And yeah. and when it when that came up, I went, okay, this they may be a gaming company. The answer question, you know, that's been asked is is are these really gaming companies? Yes, they're they're I think they're absolutely gaming companies. I just don't think they're very good. Well, that's all, that almost sounds a little little shady to me. Uh, I, think I mean, there are many things that were shady about these companies. Yeah, because to have something in out there in beta in public and that's that's buggy and without any type of feedback whatsoever, it, they're still making money on it. Right. I mean, that, there's a, there's a, that's a problem. Yeah, there's, there's a line there. <laughs> yeah. It's different when you're going into something that you've been either invited to or you signed up to a beta of some sort and you know that things are going to be broken. I've been playing the beta of Firefall for a long time and got access to that at PAX Prime, which was in August. So I've had access to it. And although I have reported a couple of bugs um, that I experienced with the people that I was playing with and nothing immediately happened, the next time they patched it, that bug was fixed. Mm -hmm. Um, And there was a very clear-cut way to access the the bug reporter it was right on your screen so when you came up against something you could just pop up and you know hit the button and be like okay this isn't working right and this needs to be fixed um and, and yeah it was obvious this thing was not beta right it no yeah obvious. well that's that's yeah that's the thing is that when you take and you sort of abuse that oh we're still working on this but here, pay us money for it, and we're not going to fix anything, and we're not going to give you any way to, to, you know, tell us what's wrong with it. That's sort of taking what sort of the essence or the idea of a beta and and playing and helping test out things is supposed to be about and, and really just abusing it and really just, you know, pushing off a, you know, poorly put together product for the place of what should be something that's in the works, which is what, a, you know, beta is supposed to be about. So if I can play devil's advocate here uh, again, sure. we, there's another game I play that I think I've mentioned a couple of times before Castleville. Mm-hmm. And I, I still don't think that it's necessarily that great of a game, but I've met some really wonderful people in it. And it's very guild based where you work with a group of people. So um, that's not people in your army. This is people in a guild. Mm-hmm. And you do battles together and, and such. So uh, you still have to have a large army, but your guild can be much smaller. It has gotten to the point where it is so complicated 
Hmm. that even veteran players don't know what's going on Mm. because it has been going on for so long and they are trying to give you new content. Mm -hmm. Mm. They are trying to keep the the player that's been there um, interested in it. They they quite often fail. Mm -hmm. A lot of what they try doesn't work, but you got to get them kudos for trying. Mm -hmm. Um, So I don't know. It's, it's got to be for a developer. It has to be just an incredibly interesting uh, part of the industry to be in right now. Well, that's what I was thinking. I mean, uh, as I'm listening to the characteristics that we're coming up with, and and that's kind of what we're talking through. We're just trying to describe this, this environment. You're probably talking about the largest gaming community that there is. Right. And that's social media gaming and the most prolific um, apps that, I mean, you, I don't know how many apps come out a day. Is it is it more to uh, likely to describe this gaming community as um, disposable or as um, uh, what was the other word I was thinking of? Because the turnover, I mean, it's just high iteration. I think it's transitory. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, and that's just the nature of it. Yeah, and if you know that going into it, it it may not have started that way, and it definitely from from gamers like us mm-hmm. um, may not be the environment that we would want it to be, but it that's what it's evolved into because the majority of the market. That's their main gaming platform. And and they're not, I mean, I, I said that, you know, a line when, in, when, in Mandate Mondays when we were talking about sort of casual and hardcore, and I said that I thought that if we wanted to put casual and dedicated on one end of each spectrum, I might be a little bit more comfortable with that, even though I still don't like binaries very much. I think from what I'm hearing in this process and the ideas that Sharon is is talking about here, I think that the game companies don't think of their gamers. They don't think of their players or their customers or their clients as being dedicated, you know, as no. having that. They think of them as all they want is them to jump in to play for 20 minutes, to get kind of engaged, to be like, oh, let me throw, you know, $3 down on this app and, you know, and I'll buy it. And that's all that they want to get out of it. All they care is that they get the you know, the payout from it. And so continuing to maintain the communities that are what evolves out of gaming, which we've clearly seen throughout the podcast and was clearly demonstrated in the research, and is for most gamers the reason why they game, or, the, you know, building the communities and that kind of social interaction. Um, they don't see that as, as important or even something that they're trying to manifest. They're just trying to get clicks and and All right. purchases. I think, too... Uh, Regina, I think that's true for for some cases, but mm-hmm. I think there are so many variables in there that it would be so wonderful if we could get a social media developer to come in and speak on this. Because yeah. can you imagine, look at Angry Birds. Yeah. And look at Angry Birds. It started as humble as humble could be and wow. Mm-hmm. Now everybody knows it. That's the holy grail yeah. of social gaming, I would think, for a game company. And that company, that company is not the same right. as in, I mean, yeah. we cannot equate the two. They're very different. Oh, I, I would, I, yeah. I would say yeah, the same I, thing about PopCap as well. As PopCap is great mm-hmm, too. It's, yep, it's you know, customers and to the people who play their games, they're fantastic. Their support network is fantastic. Everything's, you know, it's completely different. Same market, completely Which different. Which I approach. believe Zynga tried to take over. <laughs> I think they did. Well, but I also, I have three friends that went from large gaming companies, one from Bioware, 
and two from Turbine that now develop, are working on developing social media games. Mm -hmm. And one of them has a Facebook game, um, Dungeon Rampage. I myself don't play that. Um, I, I just didn't enjoy it. It wasn't the type of game that I got into at that moment. But I think there's a lot of very small companies, a lot of startups, a lot of developers out there that love gaming, right. that absolutely love gaming, that are hoping that what they're doing is going to be fun enough to be the next Angry Birds. Right. Not so much that they'll make a lot of money, but that their game will be a game that everybody will be playing and be having fun. Right, exactly. So I think there's a lot of that out there, too. It's just... Mm -hmm. There are a few companies out there and they happen to be companies that jumped in there right away and got a lot of the market share and got a lot of the visibility. And I think they've kind of made left a, a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths. But I think we're going to be seeing diversification as things come up. Um, I mean, look at Zynga now. The, their stock was at $16 a share. Now it's down to 4 Right. And they're hoping for 425, you know, that type of thing. So it, I think it's possible they jumped on the bandwagon fast and furious and, and took as much out of it as they could. And now the level field, the field is going to level. Yeah. Well, and, and hopefully part of what helped with that are the other social media gaming companies that are more responsive to customer, you know, uh, inquiries and things like that, like PopCap. Um, those companies that have better customer service that treat their their customers with you know more care and more appreciation, um, and who are more likely to give you know benefits and boons to their to their dedicated players as well. So or expand well, somehow to keep people engaged. Yeah, well, uh, that's America. yeah, that's one of the things that happened with Bejeweled Blitz is that they you know they started. I usually played on my phone, and then I found out that they had started this whole partnered thing that you could play with somebody else to get different like achievements. You know, once a day for free on if you're playing through Facebook, if you're actually on Facebook playing, and I hadn't played. I was so rusty. I hadn't played with a mouse for so long. I had like my skills <laughs> had completely gone. I used to be the best with a mouse playing that game and I had played with my finger for so long I was like why do I have to click what's going on why is this taking me so long and I realized that you know it was because I just wasn't used to it but and and that reinvigorated my interest in playing it too because then you're playing you know so yeah I play against my my former um boss at IBM I play against him but I also play with him so we have collaborative games that we play as well so we're competing against each other for the high score of the week but we're also playing with each other to meet these goals and get like extra you know coins to buy bonuses and etc um and together boom, boom 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 there's your four parts of being a game that was yeah. in the article exactly so yeah, exactly. Yeah. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> and, but, and, but, and along those same lines, one of the reasons why I continue to be dedicated to that game is I still haven't paid, you know, I bought Bejeweled 2 ages ago, um, but I still haven't paid anything for Bejeweled Blitz. I've never bought coins. I've never bought tokens or any of the other, you know, things that you can do that you can actually purchase. I have been more tempted now because they have these new special gems that like do all kinds of damage and get you well over a million points in one minute. And, you know, I'm very tempted sometimes. I'm like, oh, I'm not on the top of my leaderboard. I must have a kangaroo right. gen to beat this but person. That's, that's your competition coming in here. And oh, absolutely. You don't have 
to do that in order to enjoy no. the game. And, and yeah, exactly. And then I stop and I'm like, okay, you don't have to always be that person, Regina. You don't always have to be that person. And I stop myself. But they give you enough opportunities to, to amass enough that you can you know, still play or get those gems eventually, or, you know, I can calm myself down and play a couple of days and gain more coins and get enough so that I can get one without having to actually plunk down the cash for it. And for one of those reasons, I've bought every version of Plants vs. Zombies that I can. I have it on my Xbox, I have it on my PC, and I have it on my iPad. <laughs> because I love PopCap and I love what they do. So, you know, I yeah, we don't I we don't mind paying for games. No, not at all. That's not the point. It's when you you're, yeah. When you're hoodwinked into having to pay to get to yeah. the end of the game, which I hate, if it's like to a point where it yeah. advertises a free game, you need to be able to let me play the game. Even if it's like I have to play forever to unlock a certain zone or a certain area, it still has to be the content has to be eventually available to me. If it is that you have to play to open certain things, then you're going to lose me as a customer. So, but then think too about how how difficult it would be to start a company that's going to build a game if the expectation is you're going to give it away or give it away for cheap. I know. There's some pretty high stakes for the people involved in developing those games. No doubt. Pretty which, is, high stakes. which is why we as consumers need to make sure we do support those companies that are producing the games and supporting their gamers in really positive and, and fruitful ways because Absolutely. That, that's what Absolutely. we really need to do as gamers and support each other as gamers and, you know, social media gamers or hardcore gamers, hardcore COD gamers, whoever you are, <laughs> whatever your drug of choice is. Oh, I mean your game of choice is. Um, <laughs> please. Oh, you know. got it right. I did. I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, there should be room for all of us. <laughs> well, on that note, we want to thank um, Sharon so much. Gosh, we could keep talking all night. I know. Um, but, but we want to give our listeners a break to talk to us and tell us what, what they think. Go out and read uh, Sharon's articles and give us some feedback on GameOnGirl.com. <laughs> So we've mentioned it before, but it is coming up. This will be the last episode before Ron and I will be making our first face-to-face -face appearance in PAX East in Boston on March 22nd. Uh, the con runs the 22nd through the 24th, and we will be presenting What's Your Gamer Type on Friday at 5.30 in the Sphinx Theater. So we better see all y'all there. You got you got to come because right. there are 400 seats in that theater, and I want to see a smiling face in as many of them as possible. So grab your friends if you're coming to the con. Tickets are already sold out. All the passes are already sold out. Um, so we're sorry if you don't already have them, but we would love to see you guys. Please come and check out our panel, and we have some swag that will be will be given away, especially if you guys are representing with some of the, the Game on Girl gear as well. So check it out and come and see us and, and learn even more about your gamer type. Yeah, I think you still have time to get some Game on Girl gear off of Cafe Press. So yep. And the links It'll be are on the site. The, there's a little link for the site, for the shop yeah. on the site. So check that out. And we just want to remind everybody again that March 30th is International Tabletop Day. Um, Sharon, have you heard about Tabletop Day? I had not heard about Tabletop Day uh, until I saw it on the website. I do know about tabletop gaming. Uh, my son's really into Magic the Gathering. My daughter is dating a D&D &D hardcore guy. Uh, so, you know, um, we do have some places here that I might 
call up and say, are you going to participate? It might be kind of late now, but uh, I don't know if you guys know about it, but if any of you are football fans, there is a Minnesota Vikings player who is a big gamer geek. Oh, oh awesome. He goes to one of the, uh, one of the gaming shops here in town, Tower Games. Uh, it's Chris Cluey, who's the, the punter for the Minnesota Vikings. Awesome. He's really into miniatures. He's really into card games. He's really into tabletop gaming. And, and he will go to this place. And I was going, oh, that'd be really But he's in town. <laughs> so, oh. It's off season, so he's not in town anymore. But, um, um, you know, I might, might call around and see if there's anybody participating. It's yeah. Kind of fun. I think the last <laughs> stats I had seen, um, Tabletop Day has a, a separate Twitter now. Uh, that you can follow. And they, they tweeted today that they have over 200 events in six countries scheduled right now. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So yeah, I checked to see if there was anything nearby. I don't think there's anything in the entire state of Minnesota. Uh, but, well, you, know, you need to change that, Sharon. Still huddled in the cold. <laughs> yeah, it is still March. It's March is still definitely uh, winter. So, but you should see if you can get your local, your local game store into that. That would be fantastic. Yeah, most gamers I know have got games in the trunk and they can throw down a game in, in, in just a matter of minutes. <laughs> like, take game day? Sure. Let, yeah. me, let me go to the trunk. I have a friend who is uh, never without his Cards Against Humanity cards. Yeah. <laughs> and he has all the expansions. So we always just, you know, we're like, okay, he, we know he's got it. <laughs> Well, if you haven't heard about the International Tabletop Day, this is the first annual, and Geek and Sundry is supporting their show Tabletop with Will Wheaton, and they're calling everybody out to meet with friends and family and play games. So check it out on Tabletop Day. Uh, uh, the link will be on our website. Yeah, we got it in the sidebar. Yeah, yeah we're ready cool. to go. Go play. <laughs> Definitely don't miss out. Oh, and if you are a fan of Geek and Sundry and of Tabletop with Will Wheaton, they're now releasing extended versions of the episodes. Oh. So they're releasing like the full gameplay so you can see like the turn oh, by no. turn gameplay. I know. I was like, oh, God, I'm not clicking on this link because someone in one of the comments had said that it was like a, an hour long. And I was like, I'm not clicking on this link. I'm not clicking on this link. So the first one they did was the first <laughs> episode, which was on Small World. So now you can watch the entire game uh in an hour oh, wow. format on on geek and sundry so uh if you're if you enjoyed that if you enjoyed the 30 minute episode you should definitely check out the full versions now another little gateway right there <laughs> <laughs> well go to game on girl and let us know if you're attending pax or are you doing anything on international game day and let us know what you thought about the show we are Game on Girl. I'm the co-host, Rhonda Oglesby. You can follow me on Twitter at RoRoom. That's R-H-O, R-H-O-O-M. Read my tech blog at DrillOnTheFrog.com or email Rhonda at GameOnGirl.com. And I'm your host, Regina McMenemy, or Doc Liz with two Zs, as I'm known on Twitter and on Steam. So, so many thanks to Sharon for joining us today and for writing such a fantastic series of articles on social media gaming, which we'll make sure to rename the episode when we post it up on the site. <laughs> <laughs> Got to get our terminologies lined up here. <laughs> Well, thank what we're you about. so much for, for making my head go just a couple of spaces bigger than it always <laughs> uh, We love you, Sharon. Yes, we do. <laughs> we're so you. thankful for your contributions to the site and for joining us today on the show. So thank you for that. I'll have links to Sharon's Twitter. And um, she does some writing for a book review site. Can you give a call out really quick to what it's called? Mm -hmm. It's called Litstack for the love of all things wordy. 
And the site is www.litstack.com, L-I-T-S-T-A-C-K. All right. So make sure to go and check them out, too, and, and read up on her reviews. She's got some really poignant and wonderful reviews up there as well. Thank you guys all for listening to the show. Game On Girl is now part of the Radio Foobar Network on RadioFoobar.com. We're also available on iTunes and Stitcher streaming. These links, along with references made on the show, can be found on our website, GameOnGirl.com. This podcast is edited by Ryan Broom at Desert Tree Media. And the theme song, Good Day, by Triple Fox, is used under Creative Commons Attribution License. Thanks so much for listening, and until next time, game on!